This morning, we turn again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, for the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has set us free from the slavery of sin and brought us into the liberty of the children of God. How we thank you for your word, and may your word be our law, the law of life and the law of liberty. We pray for the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of liberty, the spirit of life and the spirit of truth to come and speak to us, your word. Grant us grace, O Lord, to know that grace in Jesus Christ, which truly sets us free. To the glory of your name, amen. The word of God, the words of the Lord Jesus, it is written. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18 in some ways echoes the parable of the prodigal son. You remember, Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son to those Pharisees and scribes who grumbled because he receives tax collectors and sinners and eats with them. Well, Luke tells us that Jesus told this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked on others with contempt. In this parable, in Luke 18, you see, the Pharisee corresponds somewhat to the elder brother, and the tax collector, due to his shameful job, corresponds somewhat to the prodigal son. And both of these parables ultimately answer the question, on what basis 
is a person accepted by God. Deemed acceptable, justified, and therefore in good standing with God. Now, as we said last Sunday, the elder brother was dutiful, responsible, probably religious in a check-the-box kind of way. He had kept his nose clean. He did that because he thought that his relationship with his good and gracious and generous father was based upon his obedience, and therefore he bitterly resented the grace and the mercy shown to his wayward brother. Just listen again from Luke 15 to the elder brother's protestation. Look, these many years I have served you, more literally, slaved for you. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours, did you hear that? He might be your son, but he's not my brother. When this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Now what was the elder brother saying? I hadn't gotten what I deserve or anything close to it. This is not fair. If there's going to be a party for anyone, it ought to be for me. After all, I've done for you, working like a slave around here, doing everything you say. Now remember, this is a parable, a story, and its main point is about God's grace and mercy to those who repent and seek forgiveness and come home. At the same time, it shows us the danger of self-righteousness, the danger and the error of thinking that our relationship with God is based upon performance for God, our slavish keeping of the rules. This self-righteousness is also called a, a works righteousness because it supposes wrongly that our acceptance by God, our justification is based upon our works for God as though we could work our way into God's good graces, earn His favor, deserve His love. This self-righteousness or works righteousness creates all kinds of problems in our souls. One big spiritual problem is the notion that God is somehow indebted to us because of our good performance for Him. As Tim Keller says, remember I asked you to order that book, The Prodigal God by Tim Keller, great little book, and I'm quoting a good bit from it this morning, but not so much that you don't need to order it. Go ahead and order it, okay? <laughs> Keller writes, now listen to this, elder brothers believe that if they live a good life, they should get a good life, that God owes them a smooth road if they try very hard to live up to his standards. And therefore, Keller continues, elder brothers expect their goodness to pay off. And if it doesn't, there is confusion and rage. If you think goodness and decency are the way 
to merit a good life from God, you will be eaten up with anger since life never goes as we wish. You will always feel that you are owed more than you are getting. Do you feel that way? Certainly that's how the elder brother was feeling. But this kind of works righteousness also breeds another sin we see in the elder brother. And, by the way, in the Pharisee of Luke 18. And that is moral superiority. Keller goes on to say that elder brothers base their self-images on being hardworking or moral or members of an elite clan or extremely smart and savvy This inevitably leads to feeling superior to those who don't have the same qualities. Racism and classism are just different versions of this superiority complex. Self-righteousness and this sense of moral superiority also create an unforgiving and judgmental spirit. The elder brother highlights the fact that the younger brother had been with prostitutes while he has been living a chaste life at home. I would never do anything as bad as that, he is saying in his heart. Well, you see, the Pharisee in today's passage, Luke 18, sounds very much like the elder brother. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. That's a very interesting prayer, if you can call it a prayer. The Pharisee thanks God. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for my moral superiority over other men. Really, it sounds as though he is thanking himself congratulating himself on his moral superiority and therefore his good standing with God, his acceptance by God on the basis of his performance for God. And you know what? Even if he is sincerely thanking God, he is thanking God for helping him to be a man worthy of God's faith. In other words, even acknowledging God's help, it's still a matter of his own worthiness by his performance. But Jesus revealed in both of these parables that this kind of self-righteousness is as sinful as the reckless living of a prodigal son or the extortion of a tax collector. So let's look now at the tax collector in the parable of Luke 18. Jesus said that he stood afar off. The two men went up to the temple, that is to the temple precincts, but the tax collector stood afar off, far away from the inner courts of the temple, probably in the court of the Gentiles. And he would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Now, the Pharisee in the parable was quite self-confident. You can imagine him standing proudly and speaking up boldly so that others might hear, God, I thank you that I am not like this tax collector. But that tax collector was quite like the repentant prodigal son, broken, empty, needy, helpless, humble, and desperate. He'd beat his breast in self-condemnation, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, the significant thing about his prayer is this. In the Greek New Testament, the word translated mercy is not the usual Greek word for mercy. The Greek word in this verse occurs only one other time in the New Testament. And it means to be propitious or to make propitiation for. That is, to avert or turn away wrath. To have one's wrath appeased. So we could translate it. God, turn your wrath away from me, a sinner. Or, God, may, may your righteous wrath, which I, a sinner, deserve, be appeased. And you see, this Greek word for propitiation always has reference to a sacrifice, a wrath-appeasing, wrath-averting atonement, sacrifice of atonement, a substitutionary sacrifice which bears God's wrath against sin. You see, hidden in this tax collector's plea is the key to the gospel. God, the perfectly just judge, can freely offer mercy to sinners because His justice against sin has been fully satisfied in the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But only those who are humble enough to admit their absolute and desperate need of undeserved mercy based on no merit of their own are in a position to receive this free gift. But as I reflected on these two parables, and thought about their contrasting characters. The elder brother and the prodigal son, the Pharisee and the tax collector, I realized that there might be a little problem. It has to do with our culture today, which is quite different from the religious culture of, the, of first century Judaism. Completely different culture in 21st century America. So I realized that there might be somebody somewhere, maybe in here, maybe watching, maybe you, who might say something like this. Well, 
I'm neither one of those. <laughs> so <laughs> I must be okay. I, I've never been like the prodigal son or the low-life tax collector, and nor am I like the elder brother or the, or the Pharisee. I, I've never been a terrible, terrible sinner, and nor am I a self-righteous, judgmental person. So <laughs> I'm neither of those, so I, you know, I must be okay. That's a very, very popular, if not the predominant view in America today. I'm not a terrible sinner, <laughs> and I'm not a self-righteous, judgmental person. I'm just, a, I'm just a pretty good, nice person. You look, you look at the Pharisee, and, and, and you look at the tax collector, and you think you found your perfect sweet spot right in between them. You look at the elder brother, you look at the prodigal son, you think, well, no, neither one of those. I'm okay. If that's who you are, you be the judge of your own heart. I certainly am not. But if you are one of these nice people, I get it. I get it. You feel no real need of Christ as your personal Savior. No real need of the fellowship of the church. No need of the Bible. No need of serious commitment to discipleship because you're nice and you're doing just fine. You're, you're doing fine. You're doing fine without Jesus as your Lord, without the church as your family, without the Bible as your authoritative rule and infallible guide of your life. You're, you're doing just fine, and I get it. I get that. Here's the hitch, though. One way or the other, you're still operating on the basis of your own righteousness. You are, as Luke says in the introduction to this parable, still trusting in yourself that you are righteous. Here's how that works. You look at the prodigal son or the tax collector and you say, well, I'm not that bad. What have you done? You've just made a judgment call. Somewhere in the moral calculus of your mind, you've drawn a line that demarcates that bad. And in your own judgment, you haven't crossed that line. So in your own judgment, you're not that bad. Are you one of those persons who doesn't need to repent? Doesn't need to beg for mercy? Doesn't need Christ as Savior? Because you look at the prodigal son or the low-life tax collector and you say, I'm not that bad. I'm not a prodigal son. Never have been. That is nothing but self-justifying self-righteousness. But you say, oh, no, 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 not me. No, I am not self-righteous. No, I am not like one of those bigoted, intolerant, stuck-up, 
holier-than-thou religious snobs with a spiritual, moral super superiority complex. Oh no, I don't look down my nose at other people, not even at the prodigal son or the tax collector. I'm not a Pharisee. Oh no, 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 I'm not self-righteous. I understand that. I understand. You're a nice person. And you admit you're not perfect. You don't look down on other people. And you're not the first to throw a stone. You're not like the older brother or the Pharisee in the parable. I get that. But, but where does that leave you? It still leaves you trusting in yourself. In your own righteousness. Trusting in your niceness and your open-mindedness and your non-judgmentalism to justify yourself and to make you okay. And even though that doesn't sound like self-righteousness in the stereotypical sense, it still is. Because you are basing your okayness on yourself. You feel justified based on your judgment of yourself. And that's what self-righteousness really is no matter how nice you are about it. Here's the point. Get this. There is no sweet spot. There is no safe spot somewhere in between the strict Pharisee and the sinful tax collector. There is no sweet spot. There is no safe spot somewhere in between the elder brother and the prodigal son. It does no good to say, well, I'm neither the Pharisee nor the tax collector. I'm neither the elder brother nor the prodigal son. Because the fact is that in and of ourselves, in and of ourselves, we are either one or the other, and most days we are both at the same time. On the one hand, if we say that we're not as bad as the prodigal son or the tax collector, the fact remains that in the light of God's infinite holiness and righteousness, we are far, far greater sinners than we judge or imagine ourselves to be. What if, what if you don't get to draw that line? What if that line is drawn not at the point of egregious outward behavior, but at the point of our inward motivations and our affections and our desires, particularly with regard to submitting ourselves, giving thanks to, honoring and worshiping God as God simply because He is God? What if that line runs right here? On the other hand, if we say, well, I'm not a stuck-up religious snob like the Pharisee. Well, okay. We're still counting on something about ourselves to justify ourselves, which is the essence of self-righteousness. So the bottom line is that if you are counting on anything about yourself, whether it's a lack of gross sin, or a rather impressive moral resume, or a general niceness, you're trusting in yourself. 
And that is the definition of self-justifying self-righteousness. And that is who Jesus referred to sarcastically as the righteous person who needs no repentance. Are you that person? That is the person who does not know himself or herself and does not know the true and living God who has declared there is none righteous, no, not one. This strikes right at the heart of the gospel. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Let me answer that question this way. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, then you have given up, given up, absolutely given up. You have abandoned believing in yourself or anything about yourself. In the words of a great hymn by Horatius Bonar, Upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. Or in the words of another great hymn, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That's what the penitent tax collector was saying. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be propitiated toward me. Turn your wrath and judgment away from me. Be reconciled to me. Let me be reconciled to you through the substitutionary blood sacrifice offered for sin. I have no excuse. I have nothing to offer or to say in my defense. I have nothing good to present to you on my behalf. I have no righteousness of my own. I abhor, I abandon all self-trust. Grant to me, in your grace, the free gift of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When Jesus told this parable, though they did not know it at the time, when he told it, he was pointing to and prophesying his own death on the cross because that word for mercy that Greek word to, to be pr propitiated prophesies and points to the cross because it was the death of Jesus it is the death of Jesus which propitiates the wrath of God upon all who believe now but dearly beloved where do you consider yourself to be a low-life tax collector or a wayward prodigal son or daughter. Whether you consider yourself to be an upstanding, respectable Pharisee. Or just a nice, easygoing, nice person. Somewhere in between. 
This is the prayer for you and for me and for us all. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That is the prayer that God answers through His Son, Jesus Christ. For it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are justified, accepted, and welcomed home. To God be the glory. Amen. We thank you, Father, for your great love for us. That you sent your Son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. And we pray in his name that your Holy Spirit would so work in our hearts to convict, to convert, more deeply consecrate us to live with joy as your redeemed people. Through Christ our Savior, amen.